Well, we are in a series uh, through the book of Exodus. And as we've been studying, we've seen God rescue his people in some pretty miraculous ways, haven't we? And we're not done yet. We're still going to see more of that. But today, uh, we're going to look at a very short passage at the end of chapter 13. And where we're at in the story is God's people have been slaves in Egypt. They've been there for over 400 years where uh, God has, uh, had brought them there uh, because of Joseph 400 years prior to rescue them from a famine. But over time, uh, they multiplied, fulfilling God's promise to them. And as they multiplied, uh, they became a threat to Pharaoh. And in becoming a threat to him, uh, he began to afflict them and oppress them. And uh, so over time, they began to call out to God for help. And he raised up a man by the name of Moses. And Moses uh, is miraculously saved by God. And he, he grows up in Pharaoh's house. But then he murders a man. He runs to the wilderness. And he's there for 40 years, uh, raising his family, when God calls him at the age of 80 to come and rescue his people. And so that's exactly what happens. Moses comes back. And God works through him and his brother Aaron. And he uh, doles out 10 plagues on the Egyptians. And as he does that, one of the plagues was darkness, by the way, and then <laughs> God let there be light. It was just an illustration for you. Uh, as he does that, God, God rescues his people, but eventually it all culminates with uh, this 10th plague where there's the Passover and the death of the firstborn. And uh, we painted a pretty vivid picture of that last Sunday, didn't we? And how all of it points forward to Jesus' work on the cross. And ultimately, that's exactly how Jesus saves you. It's all uh, uh, just foreshadowed in the Exodus. Well, today we, we're going to look at a small passage at the end of chapter 13. Uh, as God's people take off from Egypt and they're on their way out. And uh, it gives uh, just a little bit of commentary on how and where God is leading them. So you can turn to Exodus chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 17 this morning. And uh, as you turn there, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to dive into the word together. Sound good? Let's do it. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for saving us. Lord, I pray this morning uh, that as we uh, spend some time looking at the book of Exodus and looking at your word, uh, Jesus, that through your spirit, you might encourage our hearts, that you might encourage us to, to follow you, to trust you, but also uh, to, to know of your presence and your faithfulness, even in the midst of things and times that uh, things maybe go off the rails or they go a different direction than we had planned, or even a totally different direction than what made sense. Show us that in your text this morning, I pray. Teach our hearts, Holy Spirit, and I pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects. Instead, Holy Spirit, would you change us, make us more like Jesus, protect us, guide us in all truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Well, let's read through the passage here this morning. Exodus chapter 13, starting in verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. 
For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. I'm just gonna stop there for right now in these short uh, five, six verses. You know, one of the things, if you haven't recognized this yet, if you've been following Jesus for any period of time, I think you've probably seen this, that oftentimes God's way of doing things is often the long way. Have you ever noticed that? It's very seldom that it's just the short, quick, clear, uh, you know, uh, get after it, get it done, and we're on to the next thing. Usually God takes a long time to lead us. And he does that for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's to build more character into us, right? Sometimes it's to build our faith. Sometimes it's to, not about us at all, but it's to build the faith of others. Sometimes it's so that God in the end gets more glory than maybe we would have given him if it had just been the short way and the easy way. And for various reasons, God's way is often the long way. Has anybody ever experienced that? Can you think of a time in your life where uh, you were following the Lord and you're like, okay, why can't this happen now? Like I've been waiting on this forever. I've been praying about this forever. Like, why is this taking so long? Or, or uh, why did it have to go off the rails this direction? Or, or why did it have to take off in this way? God, what are you doing? You ever wonder that? Well, God's way is often the long way. Uh, look at me, or look with me, excuse me, you can look at me too, I guess. Look with me at uh, verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Although that was near. That's a pretty incredible statement. If you know your geography, um, you know that uh, if Egypt is right here, The promised land is right here, right next to it. Like literally right next to it. Yet when God leads them, it says that in that time, the Philistines were living in the promised land. It says that God didn't take them from Egypt directly to the promised land. The short way. He didn't take them the short way. Why? Because God's way is often the long way. He had a different plan. Look, he said, for God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. You, you know, one of the big reasons that God doesn't take them that way and, and he takes them along the shorter route, practically speaking, uh, two big reasons that most scholars would agree on. One is that the Egyptian military had posts along that shorter route. And there's a very real chance that they would have been stopped or, or maybe had to engage in battle with the Egyptian army on their way out and God didn't want them to turn back when they'd face opposition. But even bigger than that, and probably more likely, is that the Philistine army was incredibly powerful and ruthless. In fact, did you know at one point in history, uh, not, uh, not far off from this time, they actually tried to attack Egypt? They attacked Egypt and Pharaoh and, and all of their wealth and all of their glory because they thought they could take them. I mean, they were just a rough group of dudes. And God knew if they faced opposition, if they faced war, what was gonna happen after they had just gotten out of slavery? What were they gonna do? 
back the other way. And you know what? God's, uh, God's instinct on that is correct, isn't it? Because once they get out into the wilderness, they actually take a really long way around. And once they get out into the wilderness, when they started facing opposition, what did they want to do? They wanted to go back. But by this time, they were so far away, there was no going back. So God was assuring that they would trust him. He was building their faith in this time when it didn't make sense because the short way would have just, I mean, on a logistical side, made so much more sense. I mean, my guess is that if they would have had a vote of all the Israelites, which way do you guys wanna go? Because here's what happens, by the way, here's Egypt, here's Palestine. Instead of just going like that, they go down and south and around and over into, I believe, into Saudi Arabia and they wander and they go around up and around and over here. It'd be like going to Goshen by way of Fort Wayne. That's kind of the idea, right? I mean, that's what they do. I mean, if, you, if they would have taken a vote, what do you suppose everybody would have said? Um, I got a map, Moses. I don't know if you have one. Uh, maybe your GPS isn't working, but it's a lot quicker that way than that way. But God had a plan, didn't he? God's way is often the long way. And you know, uh, the truth of the matter is that God's way, God's direction in our life usually isn't too hard to find. Now, it, it might be slow in seeing it play out, but really in terms of obedience and finding his way, it's really, it's not too hard to find. Now, uh, there's times for praying and seeking the Lord and getting on your face and uh, begging for his direction, but I would contend that more often than not, the direction God wants you to go is pretty clear. Why would I contend that? Because he's given us his word. He's written a book, friends. He's written it all down. And we can trust that then. In fact, uh, we have a more sure word than the prophets in the written text. Uh, In 2 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, God's word is profitable. All of scripture is profitable for rebuking, for training, correcting, and training in righteousness, right? It's profitable. It's helpful. Uh, Psalm 119 says, his word is a lamp unto my feet. James tells us if anyone would seek wisdom, ask the Lord and he gives without prejudice. God's way more often than not is very clear to find. If you ever find yourself with with a choice and you're like, I'm not sure if I should do this or this. The first thing you do is you say, uh, which one uh, of these, or maybe all five or four or however many you have, you go, which of these are honoring to the Lord? Which of these would bring God glory? And then if you realize, oh, you know what? All of them do. Okay, well then which ones maybe bring God the most glory? Like, I don't know. I think they all really bring him a lot of glory if I go to the right or if I go to the left, I I don't really know. Well, then if you're confident that neither one is sin, that neither one is in uh, contrast to God's word, but you can't decide and you've prayed about it, then guess what's left? Make a decision. And you can't make a wrong one because God's with you in this and his way might be the long way, but his way is not that hard to find. Sometimes I think we paralyze ourselves from making decisions because we're, we're faced with two really good ones and we can't decide and I don't know and I'm not getting any direction from the Lord in this, so, so make a decision. Are they both honoring to the Lord? Are they both uh, acceptable according to scripture? Choose one, choose one. Have you prayed about it? Choose one. 
It's really that simple. Now, sometimes I know you, you wait and it's a big decision and you wait on the Lord, but I'm just saying in, in, in many of our decisions, we agonize over things that ultimately we, we just need to make a choice and move forward. And his way is really not that hard to find. Micah tells us that, that we're to seek justice and love mercy and walk humbly with our Lord. If we're doing those things, we're in his will, amen? So God's way, it's usually not hard to find, but it's often harder and longer than we would choose. Would you agree with that? I'll give you a really practical example in my life last night. Sometimes uh, uh, the way forward is longer than we would choose. And, and this was one for me, it, it took a lot longer than I really wanted it to. And I had a picture and I forgot to put it on the screen, but if you see my son today, he's, his hair is very buzzed. It's just, he's fuzzy. It's just kind of fun to rub it if you want to go for it. And uh, he, might, he might, you know, cringe a little bit and run from you. But man, we started doing that last night and all of a sudden he freaked out, like totally freaked out. Like to the point where you, if anybody else was outside, we were out in the back deck, you would have thought like we were just doing something incredibly evil to him. Just, I mean, freak out. That was Charlie last night. And what should have taken about five minutes just to buzz his head and give him a bath took over an hour until we finally calmed him down. Now, I know that's a, that's a really trite thing in light of uh, God's ways taking longer maybe than we had planned. But isn't it true that sometimes you, you're, you're moving forward and you're going through life and you hit a bump and you're like, why is this taking so long? Why is this so hard when it should just be really simple and really easy? You ever have that? God's way is often longer and harder than we would ever choose for ourselves. But Proverbs 3, verses five and six, Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, do what? Acknowledge him and he will what? Yeah, he will direct your paths or he will make your paths straight. And it might take a lot longer than you anticipated. It might be a lot harder than you anticipated but that's often how God's ways work. It's how they worked with the Egyptians or the Egyptians, the Israelites here as they're leaving Egypt. It says again here in verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near for God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. See, God's way is, is often the long way, but he has purpose in it, friends. Loved ones, he has purpose in it. He has purpose in taking us the long way. I mentioned some already. Sometimes that purpose is for his glory. Sometimes it's for our faith to be built up, for our character to be developed, but he has purpose in it. Psalm 23, three says, he restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness. Why? Do you know that Psalm? For whose sake? For his name's sake, for his glory, which his glory is for our good and for other, and others good and our joy, right? Uh, later in, in the Psalms, in Psalm 25 verses four through five, he says, make known to me, 
Make me, excuse me, to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all the day long. See, he has purpose in it being harder. He has purpose in it taking longer. And sometimes that purpose is really clear. Sometimes that purpose becomes clear after you've gone through it. You look back and you go, oh, you know, you can often, I say you can often see God's leading a lot more clearly in the, in the rearview mirror than you can out the windshield. And you look back and you see, oh, I see how God's hand was involved in that. I see how he was uh, orchestrating all things and how he was faithful. And sometimes you get through it and you have no earthly idea what his purpose was. You ever have that one? See, God's way is often the long way, but he has purpose in it. He has purpose in it. And finally, he's with us always. He's always with us. See, uh, let me just read this whole passage now. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, uh, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Now we get a little uh, side note here. Moses, it says, uh, he writes, took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. Uh, 400 some years prior, <coughs> excuse me, when Joseph uh, brings God's people into Egypt, when God uses Joseph to ultimately have everybody come to Egypt, I should say, uh, towards the very end of his life, Joseph says, listen, we're gonna be here a while. God's gonna keep all of his promises. One of those promises, he's gonna make us into a great nation. This is what he's implying, I believe, with this statement. And one of these promises is that he's gonna take us back to the land that he promised Abraham. So when he takes us back, listen, he will surely visit you. When he does, as an act of faith, don't bury my bones here, man. Take them back and bury them in the promised land. Now, I don't know whose task it was to hold on to Joseph's bones for 400 years, but they did. And Moses brought them with them and they carried them through the wilderness. And eventually in Joshua, once they enter into the land, Joshua buries Joseph's bones alongside Isaac and Abraham. And it was this act of faith, knowing that God was gonna keep his promises, no matter how long it took, no matter how hard it got, God would keep his promises. And then look at verses 20, 21 and 22. See, God's way is often the long way, but he has purpose in it and he's always with us. Look at verse 20. And they moved on from Sukkoth to the camp to, and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. See, God was with them the entire time. 
his presence was manifest to them as they continued to follow him. Even in the midst of their disobedience, guess what didn't disappear? God. Even when it got hard and they, and we'll see next week when they get up right to the edge of the Red Sea and uh, they're about to cross the Red Sea and they look back and here comes Pharaoh's army because he changed his mind again with his hard heart. And he's chasing them down and what happens? God's presence is there. And do you know what happens then? It says that the presence of the Lord shifted from in front of them, around behind them and was in the way between Pharaoh and God's people. And he was with them the whole of every moment. Jesus promises us this, right? In Matthew 28, in his last words to his disciples, he says, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And behold, pay attention, don't miss it. I'm with you always, even to the end. See friends, God's way is often the long way. I don't know what, where it is in your life that that's showing up right now, but maybe you're looking for direction from him or maybe you're following him and you're going, I don't know if this is worth it because this is a lot harder than it should be or than I think it should be. And it's taking longer than I really planned. And what's the deal? Listen, God's way is often the long way, but he has purpose in that. And you can trust him because he's with you through all of it. Amen? Now, here's what we're gonna do this morning. We're gonna, we're gonna pray here in a moment. Then we're gonna sing. The kids are gonna come in and uh, we're gonna dedicate uh, God's gracious provision in this building to him, right? And uh, all the work, all the gifts, all of the, uh, the planning, all of it, we're gonna thank the Lord for and we're gonna celebrate. Um, but it doesn't escape me that our route to get here was a little longer than certainly I had originally planned. It was a little harder than I had ever hoped for, but God had purpose in it, didn't he? And he was with us the whole of every moment, wasn't he? And uh, even though I don't understand all of it, I do know that he was building me. He was, for me personally, he's building my character. He's building my trust in him building my ability to be patient with his plans. Listen, whatever it is in your life, God's way, don't be surprised if it's the long way, but trust me, he has purpose in it. He's good, he's faithful to the end and he's with you always through the whole of every moment. Let me pray. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thanks for your great, great grace to us in him. Lord, um, your ways, Isaiah writes, or, or you tell Isaiah and he writes, are, are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And uh, many times, Lord, uh, your plans, uh, they don't make sense to us. Or, or sometimes we can't uh, necessarily trace what you're up to in the midst of them. But Lord, we know that your way is off in the long way and that you do have purpose in it. So as a, a old preacher Spurgeon used to say, when we can't trace your hand, we can trust your heart, knowing that you're with us through the whole of every moment. And Lord, on the days then like today, where we get to come through and see uh, your faithfulness in the past for generations, 
we can worship you and praise you knowing that, that you've never changed throughout any of it, knowing that your goodness and your faithfulness endures forever. Help us to trust you, to worship, to praise you. We thank you for your grace. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, it is with great joy that uh, we get the opportunity this morning to, to do something uh, that not every church gets to do once, let alone three times now. To be able to bless and to, dedic- to bless the Lord and to dedicate a new facility to his use and his glory. And uh, so even before we begin, uh, I wanted to show you uh, just a short slideshow of kind of the process. I thought maybe you'd enjoy uh, looking back on the last few months.
Amen. You guys are welcome to stay or you're welcome to have a seat too, whatever you want to do. It won't be real long, but you're welcome to stay where you're at. Um, Do you know what happened on June 23rd, 1987, 32 years ago today? Did you know that that was the very day that they broke ground on the original building? And here we are 32 years later by God's grace. Yeah, amen. I came across that fact this week, uh, looking back through Tom's book and uh, some of the history again of our church. And that date stood out to me, June 23rd. Wait, that's Sunday. Isn't that crazy? Had no idea about it until Friday. And um, I just thought, what a cool thing and a cool testimony uh, to God's grace and God's faithfulness. I mean, how many of you thought uh, 32 years ago, first off, how many of you were here 32 years ago? Handful of you. How many of you who were here 32 years ago thought, man, in 32 years, uh, I hope this flies? <laughs> a, few, a few of you did, right? Man, we are so thankful for God's faithfulness through you, for your willingness to be faithful and to dream and to take a risk, both in planting a church, then establishing the church with a physical presence in our community. Do you know in First uh, Kings chapter 8, we read about Solomon dedicating the temple to the Lord. Now, clearly I understand um, that our church is not God's temple, like the temple was his temple in the Old Testament, right? There was unique things that happened in terms of uh, theology and and salvation history with the temple, but but nonetheless, it is an example to us of of, uh, God's faithfulness in creating a place of worship for his people, uh, one that his people had dreamed of and that he was faithful to bring forward to fruition. And so I think it's applicable for us to look at what happened in 1 Kings chapter eight. We read about Solomon dedicating this temple and here's how he prays at the end of this dedication service. He prays this. He says, uh, O Lord, God of Israel, There is no God like you in all of heaven above or on the earth below. You keep your covenant and show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. Isn't that a great prayer? You are faithful like no one else in heaven or on earth below. Isn't it true that our God is great, that there is no one like him in heaven above or on earth below, that he shows complete and unfailing love to us? Solomon then prays for God's presence and God's glory to fill the place. He prays for God's people that they would walk in obedience to him. And here's what Solomon did then after his prayers. When Solomon finished making these prayers and petitions to the Lord, he stood up in front of the altar of the Lord where he had been kneeling with his hands raised toward heaven. He stood and in a loud voice, he blessed the entire congregation of Israel. Praise the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the wonderful promises he gave through his servant Moses. May the Lord, our God, be with us as he was with our ancestors. May he never leave us or abandon us. May he give us the desire to do his will in everything. 
That's my prayer for us. And to obey all the commands, decrees, and regulations that he gave our ancestors. And may these words, he then says, that I've prayed in the presence of the Lord uh, be before him constantly day and night so that the Lord our God may give justice to me and to his people Israel according to each day's needs. Then people all over the earth will know that the Lord alone is God and there is no other. And may you be completely faithful, he says to the people, to the Lord our God. May you always obey his decrees and commands just as you're doing today. As I was uh, looking back and I had noticed this um, a few years ago, actually reading back through some of the history of our church, um, the Sunday that they dedicated the original building was December 16th, 1987. And I keep kind of referencing the past because that was really our heart in this whole thing, right? We called it the 30 for 30 journey because we wanted to extend the faith of those 30 years ago, honor it, and hopefully by God's grace, extend it and see it extended at least for another 30 years, both in our faithfulness, in our facility, in our ministry, that was our heart. And so as we look back, I think there's a parable that Tom on that night told that I think is probably applicable to us, especially in light of reading 1 Kings chapter eight. And here's uh, what he said. This is from his transcript. He says, I would like to tell you a parable about a church today. And I would like all of you to decide as we go through this, where we are now as a church. And if the Lord tarries, where we will be one year from now or five or 10 or 20 years from now. He goes on with the parable. He says, there was a dangerous seacoast along which there were many shipwrecks. And along the seacoast, a crude little edifice was built. As a matter of fact, it was just a hut and they had just but one boat. But the several individuals who manned this seacoast outpost without any fear for themselves would day after day brave the turbulent waters in search of people who were victims of shipwrecks. With no thought for themselves, these few devoted people went out and sought out those who were perishing. They threw out the lifeline to those who were lost and through the efforts of these few people, many lives were saved. So many lives, in fact, that before long, the little outpost became famous. Many people, those in the surrounding communities and those in the area, as well as those who were saved, wanted to get involved in the work. So they gave their time. They gave their talents. They gave their money. More boats were bought. More crews were trained. More souls were pulled out of the clutches of death of those waters. And the work grew. But time passed, as it always does. And it wasn't long before some of the members of these life-saving crews decided that, hey, our fame has spread far and wide. What are we doing in this little hut? We need, we need more than this. Our building, it's too crude. We need a larger, nicer place for the first refuge of those we saved from the sea. And so the building was enlarged and the emergency cots were put away and hospital beds were put in their place and the work expanded again. And more were found and more were saved. And more were brought in. But slowly, as time passed, this life-saving station began to be a place where people simply gathered and discussed the work. Somehow they quit doing the work. 
And it became more and more a place that took on the characteristics of a social club. The remodeling continued and the building continued to grow over time and uh, more and more people were added, but slowly, before long, more and more people became less and less interested in going out and risking their lives in the waters to pick up potential drowning victims. Fewer and fewer people were involved in the life-saving activities. They said, we enjoy our club, we enjoy our social life, we, we can't be bothered with that. We need to hire people to do the life-saving work. Professional crews were hired and they were sent out to search the waters. And as time went by, less and less people were involved in the work. More and more, these were merely symbols, their building and their stationery and everything else commemorating a previous era as this group and this edifice took on the life of a social club. One day there was a particularly large ship which crashed on the rocks off the seashore and the hired crews went out and brought in as many people as they could by the boatload. They were cold, they were wet, they were dirty. Some of them were diseased nearly to the point of death. They brought them into this new building. The place was a mess. The next day, the building committee immediately met and decided that we need to build a station outside of our building. We can't bring these people in until we clean them up and make them acceptable to us. And at the next meeting, there was a split in the club. And most of the club members wanted to get rid of life-saving activities altogether, reasoning, it's just too messy. It requires too much of me. Why don't we let someone else do that? But others said, no, we can't do that. That's what we're called to do. That's who we are. Isn't this what we were founded on? And so they held a vote and those who wanted to search the waters and those who wanted to save lives were told, if you want to continue this, you're going to have to Stay outside. Time passed and the cycle repeated itself. And should you go by that seacoast today, you will find many, many, many exquisite clubs along the seashore. Ships still wreck. People are still thrown into the sea. And most still drown. Friends, um, God's given us a great facility, hasn't he? But the point isn't a building. The point is Jesus Christ. The point isn't uh, having a nice place for us to gather and to talk about the work. The point is it being an outpost from which to do the work. Amen? By God's grace, let us never lose sight of that. Yeah, let's praise him and honor him and rejoice in his provision to us. But never without the vision in mind that, friends, uh, We're not sent to hang out here. We're sent to love people, to invite them to follow Jesus with us. My prayer uh, going forward is that God would resurrect in me and in our church a heart of evangelism, of sharing the gospel, of people meeting Jesus, of, of, of growing and planting other churches in our surrounding area. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be awesome. Not great, it'd be awesome. So as we worship and as we pray and as we dedicate our space now, let us always do it with God's, God's heart and his vision in mind, remembering this is just a place from which we're sent to invite people to be God's instruments of reconciliation and rescue. Amen? Amen. With that, uh, I'm going to pray uh, the same prayer that Solomon prayed. So would you stand with me? And um, 
actually, yeah, let's, let's, let's go ahead and move forward. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, God Almighty, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on the earth below. Lord, you keep covenant, you show unfailing love to everyone who walks before you in wholehearted devotion. Lord, we praise you because you've given rest to us. You've given us uh, uh, your favor. You've uh, uh, planted and sustained and grown our church over the years. And you've kept all of your promises and not one word that has yet to be fulfilled will fail to be fulfilled of all the wonderful promises that you give us in your word. So Lord, might you be with us going forward as you were with uh, those who helped uh, to plant this church 30 years ago. Might you give us a heart of faith and of devotion and of service uh, like this church was founded upon, Jesus, that we wouldn't uh, drift from uh, the purpose and from the mission into being just busy, but that we would keep our eyes uh, out onto the water, uh, ready to rescue all who are perishing. Lord Jesus, we, we dedicate our facility uh, to your glory. We recognize that it is a gift, that you've provided for it through us, through our gifts, but ultimately every good and perfect gift is from you. So we, we praise you for that and we thank you for that. And Lord, uh, we thank you for uh, the fruitful ministry that we do have to be able to fill a facility like this and to be able to use it for your glory. And Lord Jesus, I pray then uh, that you would be faithful to that, that you uh, would use it to reach many more with the saving knowledge of Jesus with your saving grace. I, I pray that uh, this would be a place where many would point to in eternity and say, that's where I met Jesus because of those people, because of that place. Would you take this Lord and use it for that? It's to that that we give our lives and we give ourselves of our talent and our treasure and our time. And so we give it to you and we trust you with it never to hold on to it tightly, but always loosely, knowing that your kingdom is so much greater than our little church, but we have a great privilege to be a part of your kingdom here. And so Jesus, we give this to you because it's already yours for your glory, for the great good of our community and Jesus for our joy. Thank you. It's in your name we pray, amen. 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 Hey, uh, we're going to sing here in just a moment, but before we do, uh, I should recognize a handful of people and they're recognized in the booklet that hopefully you got as you came in today. Uh, many who served in leadership over the course of the, the almost five years that this process has been in place. Uh, for all those who served on our uh, 30 for 30 committees and teams, uh, you're listed there. If, if we miss somebody, please tell me so I can recognize that and that we can rectify that. But I, th I think we've got everybody listed. Uh, for those especially, though, who helped with leadership, Steve Unruh, where's Steve at? Is he back there somewhere? There he is. Steve and, uh, and Ross also, uh, but have uh, Steve especially has given a ton of time 
uh, outside of his uh, regular work schedule, and there's others who have too, but uh, Steve especially working with DJ Construction and helping oversee the project, uh, making sure things are going according to plan, and uh, really being a great representative and, and guardian for our church in many ways. And man, we're so thankful for you. Can we thank him now? And uh, there are others who helped lead. Randy helped lead uh, our 30 for 30 team uh, a few years ago as we began this whole process. So we're thankful for you, Randy. And uh, I'd be remiss too without uh, recognizing Rocky and Greg and all the extra work they've done as our treasurers and uh, just the extra headache of working with a mortgage and a construction loan and all that good stuff. So thank you guys for using your gifts and abilities in that. And uh, listen, there are so many others But we're gonna sing, we're gonna get you out of here and you can just go explore and uh, praise God and enjoy the space, amen? Amen. Amen.